1: Welcome to New Books in Language, a channel on the New Books Network. I'm Malcolm Keating. Today we'll be talking to Bo Mu, editor of Philosophy of Language, Chinese Language, Chinese Philosophy, published as volume 37 in Brill's Philosophy of History and Culture series. So I am speaking today with Professor Bo Mo about his book with Brill, Chinese Excuse me. Philosophy of language, Chinese language, and Chinese philosophy, published by uh, by Brill in 2018. So, thank you for Professor Mo for for taking the time to speak with us today.
2: Oh, it's my pleasure.
1: Okay. So, what we usually start with is telling our listeners briefly how you came to be interested in the topic of this of the book um, in particular. Here, the Chinese language. Chinese philosophy, and philosophy of language more broadly?
2: Oh, okay. Um, I think it's, uh, it's uh, the question, uh, uh, how you came to be interested in the Chinese language, Chinese philosophy and philosophy language. But actually, in my case, the water is uh, kind of this. Uh, philosophy, and the classical Chinese philosophy, and then contemporary philosophy in the mainstream relation, and then philosophy, and then we on the philosophy language. So let me very briefly uh, highlight uh, uh, my interest. Uh, my interest in changed. Uh, yeah, I'm. Uh, it's uh, I was born in the Beijing, the China. <clears throat> I re- recognize uh, in my uh, the Beijing environment was its uh, distinct manifestation of the richness in Chinese culture and the community have recessively impacted on my outlook and the character in multiple connection and layers since my childhood. So uh people sometimes say uh, each of the people in the Chinese tradition is uh, partially Confucian and partially uh, Taoism, more or less, uh, to some extent. Yeah, I think that's true. So generally speaking, uh, you see there's a no religion uh, in Ch- in the Western sense in the Chinese tradition but philosophy as a counterpart of religion regarding its uh, spiritual orientation and the social function. So I would like to say I, I have been uh, uh, influenced by the orientation of the pursuit shared by many ordinary people in the China, uh, which just like I mentioned is the uh, Arab people more or less is a kind of the partially Confucian, partially uh, Taoism. So it can be summarized in a more reflective way in a, Confucian slogan in the Chinese pronunciation uh, the it, uh, nation, it's roughly the mean each people try to uh, become the uh, uh, cultivate itself uh, inside uh, and also try to make the society and the environment better. Uh, and when I say it's uh, partially Confucian, partially Taoism, I mean so this Confucian um a slogan orientation in the uh, combined with the uh, anti uh, is uh, excessive. So that that's a kind of background. So I would like to say uh, I uh, in the I since my childhood I was interested in the uh, philosophy. Uh, there's uh, two other uh, special contributing uh, uh elements of for Um uh In my elementary school and the middle school, I grew up in the Beijing during the so called uh, cultural revolution movement in china from nineteen sixty six through the nineteen seventy six uh nineteen sixty six I was uh, in the elementary school, so during you know, that time, as the Arab people, even for the students in the elementary elementary school and the middle school uh more or less involved the political, philosophical, surely the Marxist philosophy, the learning. So uh, uh, people from that uh, period are familiar. Every people are required to read the five uh, classical texts of the Marxism. So that's also a contributing element, uh, uh, is uh, uh, my interest in the philosophy. Another contributing uh, element is my family, my father's, uh, uh, influence so that that's a long story i ignore that part but anyway uh in the nineteen that's after ten years revolution revolution and uh with the interruption of the uh, uh regular regular course of the higher education nineteen seventy seven there is the first national um uh, education uh, entrance examination so I uh, the the first uh uh, uh uh i was uh, one of the, these uh, college students after first turn after cultural revolution so at uh, that time i was major in the uh mathematics uh, uh minor in the computing science and uh, so in the from uh, 1978 through 1982 i uh after i graduated uh it's uh from my college with uh, uh Bachelor's science degree in the science managing in the computer science i uh changed my interest i restart uh focusing on uh, studying the philosophy so that's how i uh with this uh, picture of how my interest in uh, changing into the philosophy and and then i spent the one year uh, focusing on various uh subjects in the philosophy uh taking their examination and also among others the classical chinese philosophy i takes the one year, two semester, uh, uh courses on the uh, history of the Chinese philosophy. Uh, it's uh, taking all of the examination there, and then, uh, I, uh, uh plan to take the national graduate study, uh, examination in philosophy. So I'm facing, uh, which subject I will focus on in the philosophy. So it's a. Uh, uh I think with my background in the science and the mathematics my interest in the quite naturally uh is uh, the the subject analytical philosophy or contemporary philosophy in the mainstream uh tradition, uh in the english speaking country so it's, uh i uh, uh i went to the graduate study on um, focus on uh analytical philosophy or contemporary philosophy in the mainstream as a graduate school of the Chinese, Chinese Academy of the Social Sciences. Um, so that, that's where my interest in the philosophy and the philosophy language combined. Uh, it's you known an as the analytical, contemporary analytical philosophy is largely overlap with the contemporary philosophy language. Uh, so there's uh, where my interest in, uh, uh, change into the uh, philosophy language. Uh, surely I uh I'm interested in the language uh per se. Uh I spent a five year uh in learning the Russian language. Actually that's a foreign language requirement in the middle school. Uh I uh five years. At that time I I, I know nothing about the English. Uh and then when I changed my interest into philosophy just now I say I spent one year in a university in the uh in Beijing uh studying the a have kind of the systematic study of the philosophy. At the same time, I uh, start. I'm studying the German language by myself, um, uh, and then at the same time uh, is uh, I began studying English. Oh, by the way, uh, surely uh, when I was a college student, our foreign language requirement is uh, is English. I mean, after high school, yes. So at that time is uh, I have some. Uh, uh, is uh, inter- interested in the different kind of the language. Uh, you see, my, uh, my, my, my father, kind of a scholar. Is my father studied full of the classical Chinese uh, text. And there is a, 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 classical Chinese, Chinese, modern Chinese literature, philosophy, and uh, uh, history. And uh, uh, at that time, I also have, uh, uh, have learned the. Three different kinds of the foreign language, uh, first the Russian language and then the English language and the German, so in this way you see quite naturally my interest in the contemporary philosophy and then the philosophy and then the philosophy language on the one hand on the other hand I have some knowledge of different kind of kind of natural languages uh, but surely it's a when uh, I interested in language and also by language I also mean is kind of the uh two kind of the symbolic language. Uh, yeah, for is the ancient uh Yijin symbolic language in the yielding text in the ancient uh version. It's not strictly speaking not uh, one kind of natural language. It's an ancient Chinese symbolic language. So people probably have some knowledge of the high strand and the Yin Yang divided line, divided line. And then I also have uh learned modern uh, logic and the symbolic logic. so it's always all these kind of languages uh, so my interest in the philosophy language is uh, uh, combined my yeah.
1: yeah yeah okay. and, and are, that's great <laughs> no that's that's there's yeah. there's quite a lot there it's really um, it's interesting how all of these different aspects mm-hmm. have come together uh, especially in it's sort of showcased in this book because as you say there's um what we might call analytic philosophy sort of mainstream analytic philosophy there's Chinese philosophy in the sort of classical sense uh, and then you have also a discussion of the the Chinese language and all three of these things are interwoven um, in of course in your own personal history and then in this edited volume so let's let's turn to that now the edited volume comes out of these... Um, International Society for Comparative Studies of Chinese and Western Philosophy, and some projects that were focused on constructive engagement between, for instance, in particular, Donald Davidson and John Searle and Chinese philosophy. So there's two things that I think are important to get at before we dig into the text itself and the contributions. One is, what do you mean by constructive engagement, and why is it important and then second, why the focus on Donald Davidson and John Searle as interlocutors? So let's start with the first. What's constructive engagement?
2: Uh, yeah, uh, actually, uh, here, uh, there are things at the three level and in the three connections from a general to the specific. When i talking about constructive engagement, uh, first, first level, uh, more generally speaking, I mean, the constructive engagement strategy as a general Methodological uh way in doing philosophy comparatively or doing philosophy in cross tradition engaging way concerning any philosophical tradition uh so that uh and then as far as a uh, re- representative philosophical tradition are concerned specifically speaking here we focus on the Western tradition and the Chinese tradition so it's a uh, methodological and the theoretical concern are general as a uh, uh, it's general. Well, it's a specific study of the specific resources We focus on the engagement between the Western and the Chinese philosophy. Uh, here, uh, we came to uh, just uh, uh, Macomb mentioned, it's uh, the project of the International Society for comparative study of the Chinese Western philosophy. Yeah, this is an uh, inter- uh, uh, international association uh it's uh, his mission is uh, to carry on the construct engagement um uh, strategy uh yeah i i will uh say something about what is construct engagement here i talk about the three levels reconnection three uh, just like i mentioned that uh one general uh, general speaking specifically speaking general speaking is a general way of the doing philosophy specifically speaking we focus on resources of the Western chinese coalition And as far as some specific subject of the philosophical is concerned, specifically speaking here, we have the constructive engagement strategy as a general methodological strategy in doing philosophy language comparatively, uh, uh, concerning any philosophical relations. So uh, basically, in the introduction to this value, I uh, suggest and explain uh, that the general idea of the constructive engagement strategy strategy in the doing philosophy language comparatively so yeah uh, so in this way uh, when I talk about the three level or in three connection we talk about the constructive constructive uh, engagement strategy so uh, in plain words uh, briefly speaking uh, constructive engagement strategy and the purpose uh, in doing philosophy is something like this. It's um, uh, through the criticism, uh, including self-criticism, and under guidance of the adequate methodological guiding principle, is inquiring into the how uh, different uh, approaches or different resources from a different uh, philosophical tradition. Uh, can talk to each other, learn from each other, and engage with each other, and then eventually make a joint contribution to the contemporary development of the philosophy on a range of the joint concerns, the issue of the philosophical value and the philosophical significance. So it's, uh, simply speaking, it's something like this. Surely, I, I, I need to make some notes. By philosophical tradition, we understood in a broad way, uh, either distinguished culturally. In that sense, we talk about the Western tradition, Chinese tradition, Indian tradition. I just named the three major philosophical traditions distinguished culturally. Uh, we also mean different style and orientation. So In that sense, we talk about the analytic approach and the continental approach. Traditionally, people take the analytic approach, continental approach, as a uh, local approach within the Western tradition. We understand this analytic and uh, continental approach broadly, it's a cross-traditional way. Uh, in the Chinese tradition, uh, we also can identify the continental style of the doing philosophy. For example, as people you know, it's a, a Daoist uh, text, Dao De Jing. It's a 5,000 word. Three d speaking is kind of the philosophical point You see, continental tradition try to use a point language to deliver the idea. In the Chinese tradition, we have uh, it's a Analects, the Confucian way. Way is not an analytic uh, uh, philosophical essay. It's a kind of the dialogue. Uh, it's uh, often appear to make a di- diagrammatically claim, but actually uh, you need to identify the uh the underlying argumentation through the whole text. And the, in the in the in the case of the Tao Ching is a continental style. Yeah. So uh by the philosophical tradition we under and understand it in a broad way. distinguished culturally and by orientation and the and the style. And another important uh, turn is the is the how the different tradition relevant resources from different traditions can make can talk to each other rather than just the passing by, uh, talk to each other, engage with each other, and learn from each other, make down contributions to what? To arrange up the joint concern issue in the philosophy or in intellectual pursuit. By the joint concern, people probably say, how can tell? Uh, Do you mean that Laozi Zhuang using the same language, talk about the same thing? I don't mean that. So, it's, uh, I mean, after through the appropriate, suitable philosophical interpretation, we can identify something underlying, uh, deep behind the words in the text. So, simply speaking, that's uh, 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 what I mean, constructive engagement. Uh, surely, uh, how to give the further systematic uh, explanation of such constructive engagement strategy, that's another issue. Actually, uh, Probably that's a uh i answer your final final question actually i just uh, finished the monograph uh uh this month actually for coming next month it's uh it's a, my way to give the systematic account of the constructive engagement strategy so it's entitled is cross cross-position in philosophy uh it's cross engagement in philosophy subtitle is uh, a constructive engagement account so i take constructive Strategy as a general type. So different water, different scholar probably give their different elaboration. So in this uh, monograph book, I give my uh, systematic relatively systematic elaboration of the constructive engagement uh, strategy.
1: <clears throat> Great. So 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 constructive engagement oh, here. Okay. Um, then we can, we can talk about your monograph just a little bit at, at the end. But that's, yeah. that's great that, that you're thinking about the, the methodological, that methodological implications here and, and how, to, how to engage in uh, constructive engagement. In the contributions in, in this volume, you're looking in particular at philosophy of language, uh, the way in which thinking about the Chinese language and the English language as objects of study can be um, philosophically fruitful So there's, there's multiple levels. So maybe let's get into some of the contributions then to to sort of showcase what is, what these two uh, sorts of traditions, Chinese philosophy and um, Anglophone analytic philosophy can, can do together. So the book, the book is divided into a few sections and in the first part of the book, we're looking at problems of reference, in particular related to the semantics of Chinese names. And there is a famous paradox in um, Chinese thought known as the White Horse Paradox. Uh, this is there is a lot of literature on this, and your volume includes um, two two papers about the paradox. So, can you, whoops, excuse me, can you um, tell listeners what the paradox is, and tell them what it tells us mm-hmm. about the Chinese language and about language more broadly?
2: Before answering that question, I uh, probably it's a uh, it's uh, good to present the uh, three uh front of this uh, volume focus on, and then in that background we we move on to this uh, specific question about the first paradigm very briefly. Yeah, there is a three uh front. The first front is uh, how it's uh you see it's uh, when we uh talk about the philosophy language. Uh, you uh, typically here is. Uh, People based on the feature of the English language, uh, it's uh, but it, all these conclusion are considered to be the general hold for all kind of the natural language. So uh, 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 that they somehow related to the White Horse, uh, 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 case. Okay, but actually there is a, some uh, distinct feature of the Chinese language. Uh, mm-hmm. It's uh, uh, not. Uh, fully was mostly explained by the current sources in contemporary philosophy which based on the feature of the English language. Like, so that's one friend. We focus on uh, some uh, distinct, uh, distinctive uh, features of the Chinese language. Uh, another friend with uh, is um, Chinese philosophy have uh, their uh, rich sources about the language, about the relationship of language, uh, sort and the world. So that's second friend. Third friend is uh, we what in, uh, in, in so doing we also think about how the uh, 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 resources uh, in the contemporary Western philosophy can help in interpret uh, resources uh, concerning the Chinese language and the Chinese, Chinese philosophy, uh, to uh, help our understanding and treatment through the philosophical interpretation uh, of these resources in the Chinese the Chinese uh, language and the Chinese tradition. Now we move on to the White Horse Paradise. Yeah, uh, usually it's this White Horse, so right now is the White Horse of Paradise, is put forward by Gong Long in his uh, famous AC, Bai Ma lun So uh, literally translate, could be translated into the White Horse discourse were on white horse. Uh, Gong Sun Long himself, uh, did not use the term paradox. The paradox is uh, in uh is added by some contemporary scholar, uh, in their uh, interpretation. Actually, is a controversial issue. Whether or not, uh, uh, Gong Sun Long's uh, white horse, uh, white horse uh, discourse really present a uh, paradox, or just a paradoxical. Appearance, but actually he present uh, consistent uh, approaches without any uh, uh Okay, um, it's a uh, uh why is a uh, white horse uh argumentation is uh linguistically and uh, philosophically interesting, so we can uh identify. Uh, explain that issue in two connections. Yeah, for instance, linguistically speaking, that's uh, uh, a uh, white horse uh, argumentation is uh, delivered in the classical uh, Chinese uh, language. So classical Chinese language has some uh, distinct uh, features. Uh, Some of them pass on to the modern uh, Chinese language. For example, we don't have uh article. We don't have a definite in definite articles. Uh, we don't have a uh, uh, grammatical plural form in the white horse argumentation. Uh, so na- right now we translate into the modern uh, language is uh, uh, the white horse is horse. White horse is not horse, right? We adding the is there. But, in the ancient Chinese, we don't have a counterpart of the to be there, so Long is just a white horse. If I give a literal translation is something like this white horse course white horse not course right it's a linguistic speaking is a interesting it's a expose uh, 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 some feature of the Chinese language and also indicating how it's uh, Predication is possible. How the reference is possible? Uh, surely it's uh, controversial. It's a uh, Gongsun Long read this uh, question philosophically, and uh, uh, surely if some people, uh, are a layman on the street, just to make a claim, white horse, not horse, people take or her as crazy. But Gongsun Long make it uh, philosophically. He uh, come up with uh, five different argumentation for the thesis. White horse, is not horse. But actually, uh, if Gongsun just say white horse not horse, is uh, people would <laughs> render him just uh, crazy. Uh, his point actually uh, is this. Uh, just for so mention, there are five different argumentation in his uh, in his essay. But actually, in my opinion, the second one is the uh, most important. It provides a fundamental rationale underlying all these five. Uh, arguments. Uh, his point is something like this: depend on what is the sort, you can say white horse is horse is identical to the horse, and you can also say white horse is not horse. So, yeah, his point is uh, is uh, not that you can only just say white horse is not horse. And then right now it appears to be paradoxical because he say you can say both, but his important point as uh, I just highlight. Uh, he said depend on what is sword. I think that's a key term. Uh, actually, when you look at his uh, uh, argumentation, he said uh if you uh if what is sword is a common thing shared by the white horse is not horse, you should say white horse is horse. Or the white horse is identical to the horse. But if what is sword is something distinct, uh processed by white horse, but not by the horse. You should say white horse is not horse. So, uh, you can say there is, a, uh, there is a, uh, e- in my interpretation, there's a no genuine contradiction. That's a, a yeah, if you translate it's on his uh, argumentation, translate his uh, sentence into the complete statement, actually say, the white horse is identical to the horse with regard to or relative to their shared common feature. But white horse is not identical to the horse regarding or relative to something different. Some distinct feature perverse only by the white horse, but not by every member in the collection of the horse. So in this way, yeah, there's no paradox, there are no contradiction. it's a more philosophical, interesting. Actually, uh, in my opinion, uh, much earlier than the, uh, teach yeah, teach uh, is a, a usually in the contemporary, uh, logic first guy to put forward the idea of the relative identity, right? Uh, in my opinion, Gong Sun Long is the first guy to put forward the idea of the relative identity. You see, in my just a very brief translation of the a, a paraphrase of the Gong Sun the point you can see. Yeah, he talked about the identity or not identity, yeah, relative to what you focus on. right? Yeah. So I, uh, I think he's a, uh, he made a contribution uh, to our understanding of the relative identity. And uh, from that point, he also made contribution to the refined formulation or refined understanding of the, what is the law of the identity and the, what is the yeah. principle of non contradiction.
1: So, um, so let's for the sake of time here. We've we've covered. Um, so this is Beyond Yi Yi is the um, is the contributor for chapter one on the White Horse yeah. Paradox, mm-hmm. and then in chapter uh, two, that is, you have a um, reply to. And discussion of the double reference account on the same topic, the white horse not horse thesis, which we were just talking about. Um, But then, um, so there's those two chapters on on the white horse paradox. Chapters three and four move on from the white horse uh, discourse, as you're calling it, uh, not necessarily paradox, right? Which originated in the Warring States period, which was around the third century BCE, Um, but Of course, as you you note, there's a distinction between classical Chinese and modern uh, dialects or topolex, however you want to characterize them, Mandarin, Cantonese, Hokkien, and so on. Chapters three and four take up the discussion of language change over time, as well as Mm -hmm. diversification of language uh, at a particular given time. And so this is Marshall Williams' contribution in chapter three, comparative analysis of Chinese measure words and then Jianhua, Mei's intuitions or reasons, right? So what do these two contributions tell us when we're looking mm-hmm. at, um, at the Chinese mm-hmm. language?
2: Uh, yeah, uh, in, uh, in the first part, uh, yeah, as uh, uh, Mike Kong summarized correctly, the first one, Professor Yi and then me, focused on the uh, white horse products. Actually, we uh, focused on, you can say, it's a deep semantic syntactic structure of the Chinese name. And um, uh, in contrast, and the third chapter, three and the chapter four appear to focus on uh, uh, superficial grammatical and uh, uh, level of the change. And uh, it's a uh, 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 Marshall Wheelman uh aim at uh, analyzing the chinese noun phrase involving the major words from an evolutionary perspective so eventually his conclusion is uh is uh, uh, uh is uh change major words uh, measure major words that mean uh just like the English term, a cup of the water a cup of why <laughs> something like this uh in the english is uh, seldom not so uh, uh, often, but in the Chinese, uh, in the case of the uh, in the chi- modern Chinese case, it's a widely. You cannot directly add one, two, three. <laughs> in directly in in on in you know, front of the uh, uh, common now you need to add measure words. Yeah. Uh, uh, Marshall's conclusion, actually, from a evolutionary point of view, he looked at the grammatical change. Eventually, his point is. Uh, uh, is uh, human beings throughout the world share the more or less the same physical uh, panel play of the neurobiological mechanism for expressing and increasing the sentence we use to communicate uh, yeah I, I, I share with a similar sentiment uh, so uh, but actually his point in the uh, with our concern with the deep semantic syntax structure is a consistent. But eventually, uh, based on his uh, uh, look at the development of the from a evol- evolutionary perspective, and the people's uh, natural language become uh, more and more close similar. Uh, I think there's uh, no wonder for two reasons. Yeah, for one thing, uh, different natural language is also my personal view. It uh, shares the uh, deep, somatic, synthetic uh, structure. So there's a no wonder there's a very natural language, a superficial, apparent uh, linguistic expression that becomes close uh, 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 We can consider the distinction between the classical Chinese and the modern Chinese. Yeah, uh, uh in, my, in my view, the modern Chinese and the classical Chinese, there are some um, differences. Uh, I mean, the written language, but they share the same, similar, deep, the Matthew's syntax structure. So right now you can see modern language is more and more like the like the other natural language, English. Uh, for example, I just mentioned in the ancient Chinese language we don't have the counterpart of the b, but in the modern Chinese uh language uh uh b either as identity identity sign or as a predicate is classification is widely used. Uh. Uh. So it's a it's a it's a quite natural because you share the same deep somatic syntax structure another uh, reason I think is very simple we as humans we share the same similar internal psychological and uh, uh, structure and we are facing the same world not where some people is in uh, on another planet the, uh, another group on the uh, uh, the other planet we are share the same environment, we are on the same Earth, on the same planet. So these are uh, two major reasons. Uh, so there's no wonder for uh, Marshall's conclusion. And uh, Chapter 4 is uh, that Mei may actually uh, look at this thing from experimental philosophy, the recent uh, new movement uh, in contemporary philosophy. Now his point is, uh, uh when people carried on uh experimental philosophy uh a, 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 a experiment uh to test people's uh, intuitive understanding, we need to pay more attention to the reason behind their intuitive uh, in, in, intuition i think that uh, uh I also share this uh, sentiment so the big reason uh when you just look at the parent uh, intuition for example when you uh, test uh People's uh, in uh, giving the cryptic and the rigorous Fre- uh, explanation. So when he uh, when he tests the students, uh, say in Hong Kong University, uh, uh, how they react, uh, what their reaction to the cryptic and the and the Freger's approach. So re- uh, based on the uh, in, uh, emper- empirical philosophy's test, uh, Hong Kong students uh, is a favor rigorous approach. Okay typically in the uh, Rutgers, if they were the cryptid. Uh I think the, uh, Jinghua the point is, uh, this uh, apparent intuition seems to be so different, but, however, when you carry on, uh, when you design uh, experimental test, when you focus on the reason behind the intuition, so you can find these uh, different reason fundamentally, actually it's, uh, complementary. So it's, actually depend on how the question are designed in a certain way. So if you design in a in a similar way, probably the two group students, the reason appear to be uh, very close, or the reason is not so different, uh, contradictory in the conflict, but complementary. So in this way, uh, in the first part, uh, is, yeah, as I say, the first two, for her, directly for her deep the syntax structure of the Chinese now, the chapters three and the four, they are focused on uh, some uh, apparent uh, grammatical change and the people's intuitive understanding. But I think is uh, 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 fundamentally, they share the similar sentiment. There is a, yeah, people have, a, 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 if, uh, people in different uh, natural language communities They share the similar, same deep semantic syntactic structure, and but we have different manifestations. Uh, this um, the manifestation of uh, philosophical interest, but they does not uh, go against there is a similar same deep semantic synthetic structure.
1: Right. So the underlying underlying yeah. biological and sort of semantic structures are shared, um, yeah. and we can see that, in fact, by looking at. Different languages, looking at languages over time, diversity yeah. at, at a time, right? So, so then um, let's let's move forward to part two, which is cross- contextual meaning and understanding. And in this section of the book, you have two contributions: um, one by A. P. Martinich on communicative meaning and meaning as significance, and another one by Una Stonjnik and Ernie Lapore on semantics and what is said. And in this part of the book, you're it's really sort of broadening out and thinking about philosophical problems of meaning and understanding from an analytic philosophical approach Mm -hmm. here. um, One problem that faces us, you might think in both an ordinary life and in this kind of cross-cultural project is how we can understand the meaning of other speakers or or other texts, especially when they're, they're coming from different backgrounds. So that's one of the, one of the issues that's brought up. And another um, is this idea that the term meaning itself is polysemous. So, when we're trying to figure out meaning and do philosophical analysis of meaning we have to understand well what what do we mean by meaning like to fix fix that sense um so that broadly as i understand it is the the topic of these two chapters can you dig us a, st- a little deeper into into what's going on in these two chapters
2: oh okay uh, yeah i, I have a uh, who knows on this part uh yeah first why I arranged the uh, part three after part one? <laughs> uh, because I think uh the point in the part one, joint sword can provide some uh, rationale or understanding. Uh, is a, uh, uh, point to uh, uh, provide some uh relevant resources, uh, for understanding and the treatment of the issue raised in the part two. Uh, That's my first note. Uh, Another note, actually uh, different from uh, all of the other contributor in the other part. This is the only part and uh, two contributor, uh, I just three contributors. Uh, uh, For instance, they are not directly talking about the Chinese language. For another thing, they're generally speaking is uh uh it's uh uh they do not have the working knowledge of the chinese language but why i include it uh just because uh there is uh for two uh two considerations yeah for instance the issue proceed because because you talk talk about the uh uh the issue is uh, cross contextual meaning understanding yeah Cross-contextual is, uh, is uh, just a general term. Uh, it can cover the cross-tradition. Here we talk about the different tradition, different language. Cross-contextual, uh, uh, is, uh, is, uh, this topic is especially relevant, interesting to the theme of this value. We talk about the cross-tradition, uh, tradition in the philosophy language uh is uh is especially uh relevant here cross contextual and cross position essentially mean the same. So these uh two uh these contributors uh uh points are directly relevant to the thing of this uh uh this value. Uh so another note is uh why I it's uh, why is uh 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 Professor Martini and uh Professor Hong to uh, contribute to this value because uh, they are two active participants in the mainstream and literation participating in, in the uh our a range of the construct constructive engagement uh project concerning the western philosophy and the chinese philosophy um theres uh yeah this uh, the uh, uh philosophically, philosophically speaking they are especially uh, i was uh uh, special interest in this construct engagement between the chinese philosophy western philosophy um, and uh, uh, and their points is are directly relevant to uh, the scene of this value by the way i uh, uh, professor uh, martin is uh, uh, widely used uh, anthology source book philosophy language he's uh, uh, the first edition i think it's nineteen eighty five uh, at that time, I was still working in the philosophy language, uh, philosophy, uh, philosophy, uh, Institute of Philosophy, uh, Chinese, Chinese social sciences. Uh, I organized, uh, 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 coordinated the translation of this book into the Chinese. Uh, right now, this is, I will write in multiple editions. So we, when we translate the book, is uh, about, uh, almost 30 years ago. Uh, and then it's a public Chinese version of that book published. So is uh, professor, uh, Martin, uh, participating, uh, almost all of our project is, uh, especially interested in, uh, especially interested in this, uh, uh, a, uh, uh, project concerning the language. Because, uh, we, uh, our project is not just limited to the philosophy language. It also covers other subject. Actually, that's related to the previous question, why we are interested in Davison and Zhang Yeah, oh, uh, I just briefly mentioned it because these uh, two thinkers, their uh, philosophy, their uh, foreign thing, they have the major work uh, in the philosophy language. And also, their philosophical interest is, is extensive, not limited to philosophy language. They consciously apply their resources in the philosophy language to resolve the uh, question, the issue in the other subject of philosophy language so that's just uh quite fit is uh, uh a lot of discovery in the chinese commun- uh, philosophical community so they think uh, uh, when they read uh, davidson the chancellor's uh work they feel the home because they are not just uh, uh, they uh they they take out the larger uh, philosophical concern not just uh local, some uh, technical uh, dimension of the philosoph uh, language and uh, uh, and uh and uh and the uh, uh, uh yeah, that—that's think that's the one reason why we take the, uh, yeah, is the Davidson philosophy, Chinese philosophy in the philosophy
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail—from accepting payments to managing inventory. Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system.
1: Yeah, and we see that in, and so moving on to part three, where there's an exploration of two major themes in Donald Davidson's work that have been taken up by people thinking about Chinese people and, sorry, thinking about Chinese philosophy and people Um, working uh, in in Chinese philosophy. So we have uh, A.C. Graham uh, thinking about conceptual schemes and linguistic relativism in relation to Chinese. And then a response by uh, Yong Ming Feng, please help me with the pronunciation there, A.C. Graham's Sinologist Criticism and the Myth of Prelogical Thinking. And then you engage in a a response to the two of them here. So um, why don't you, if you, if you can, for us, tell us what's going on here with the principle of charity and this idea of conceptual schemes, and why is this relevant to doing Chinese and comparative philosophy?
2: Yeah, it's uh uh, Davidson is, uh, 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 is, uh is, a, is, a seminar, uh, essay on the very idea of a scheme, uh, is a render by many uh people in the Chinese philosophical uh, uh philosophical render is a very relevant because uh Davidson the basic point is is uh, he, uh, he rejects the radical uh relativism. Uh he rejects the very idea of the conceptual scheme. Uh the, the, the scholar in the uh, Chinese philosophy, uh is in the study of Chinese philosophy not limited to the uh native chinese speaker in and also including the which gentleman the is uh we, we all know is uh 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 is course uh, uh, actually he's a, he's a british uh, philosopher but he's a expert in the Chinese philosophy uh his uh, uh, reaction is uh, negative actually he thinks that Davidson is uh, wrong uh yeah it's uh he the point that idea uh, is uh, not less uh, uh i mean people agree with uh, uh davidson but uh uh the charm of the davidson philosophy is uh, is, is, uh, is uh uh in uh, is uh, stimulate people the sword and uh think about the further and the deeply so uh actually Graham thing he put forth some counter example uh to the davidson's uh, uh conclusion there's a no conceptual thing he say uh, yeah, the we uh, the Chinese language uh, illustrates different concepts. In, for example, we just use a simple example. Uh, in the uh, in the English term, the shape, right? Uh, it is a uh, it's a cover. Uh, it's a, uh, both. As you, uh, in the Chinese we use a different kind of the uh, uh, different term to refer to what. Shape cupboard yeah as a uh, professor yu minfong pointed out uh he said we we have a lot of different terms for example in the in the chinese terms that uh, is in the english the uncle is a correspondent to the uncle in the mother side and the father side right uh, because the chinese language reflects like the a refined understanding of the human relationship uh mm-hmm. but uh actually it's a uh, uh, yu Minfeng, uh uh, reject and uh, engage with uh, Graham he uh, he, uh, he is great he explains what's the problem yeah okay
1: yeah so sorry go ahead how does he disagree with this idea that so Graham is pointing out well look in, in English this sort of concept of of uncle is not as uh, refined as in yeah. Chinese where you have this very uh, fine grained conception of family relations mm-hmm.
0: and yeah. so how does uh, uh, Fungza respond
2: Right, right, right. Uh, from the re- uh, response, basically, is uh, uh, say, uh, we are facing the same world. We're talking about the same object, and then we have a different perspective. Just like the take a picture, people take the picture from a different angle, from a different perspective, and then resulting different uh, picture, right? Uh, uh. But however, that does not a show we talking about a different thing. We are still talking about the same object, but we talk about the same object differently, from a different perspective. That does not mean we talk about a different object. Uh, uh, the grant plan actually using the uh, uh is a counter example in the Chinese, uh, in, uh, in, uh intending to show. We have a different conceptual scheme, resulting different world. Uh, But point, what is uh, the issue? Is uh, uh, yeah, we agree there is a difference. Yeah, Uh, different perspective, different picture. But uh, however, whether or not that difference leading to the different uh, world, as a metaphysical level. Uh, Actually, uh, uh, in that connection, I share uh, the sentiment with. uh, preference the phone. But I using the my what I call the double reference account. Uh, I think I can deliver the same point uh clearly. Uh yeah we uh when we make a reference we always uh, at the same time talking about the, the reference as a whole and at the same time we focus on uh, some specific part. So when we move on to the uh uh the uh, what is the issue here is something like this. Uh, I think of this uh, I think is uh, proceeds the phone sh- uh, share the same line, but I using the double reference uh, account to deliver the same point. Okay, we uh, we talk about the same object, but we uh, we talk about same object differently with a different focus. Okay, here we f- focus on the uh, uh, shape. Okay, uh, in the Chinese in the Chinese system, we uh, uh, for uh, however. We focus on, uh, uh, when we focus on one specific uh, character feature shared by some subgroup of the larger group. So we're using the different Chinese term to name that subgroup of the shape. Another group probably uh, is uh, uh, talk about same object, but differently from a different perspective, focusing on uh, some distinct of the shape, and then they use uh, another uh, Chinese uh, term to label that feature. But however, in so doing, that does not mean that the resulting the, the different, uh, different uh, shape. We, we are just talking about the same group shape, and then we focus on a uh, different aspect and then make a further sub classification uh I think uh it's a bit, uh, point is this Davidson actually emphasized people uh 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 Davidson recognized there is a lot of the difference uh, especially when we travel to the new place the new country and then we come across some uh distinct uh things and then uh, usually we try to exactly that difference uh is uh and then forgot there is still some fundamental underlying agreement. Uh, yes, uh, uh, I, in, in my editorial remarks uh, after this uh, debate between the Grand uh, and the Professor uh, Fong, I elaborated the deficit point. Uh, I think, the, in my opinion, the Grand have some misunderstanding of the deficit point. Uh but however I present the two scholars uh, presentation as a whole so the other reader can make their document.
1: Right, right. And so we'll invite invite the listeners to maybe dig in and, and give give it a shot, see what they what they think. Uh so yeah. let's let's uh let's continue on then to this part four. And here we're looking at semantic truth and pluralist approaches in Chinese context. And so in part four, we're focusing on the status of truth, which is another important topic in philosophy of language. So in this section, chapters uh, 9 and 10 in the book, what we're we're looking at uh, is is Wang Chong, um, and we're, we're looking at his contribution from the Eastern Han Dynasty, somewhere around 25 to 100 Common Era, and the, what's at issue is a controversy about whether the theory of truth that is one theory of truth that is common now, which is the correspondence theory, that sentences are true because they correspond to something extra linguistic, something in the world, whether that's a theory of truth that classical Chinese philosophers held, like Wang Chong. And so can you maybe tell us then why people have a differing understandings of Wang Chong's approaches to mm-hmm. truth. Uh, this is mm-hmm. Alexis McLeod's chapter nine and, uh, Leho's mm-hmm. bronze chapter 10.
2: Yeah. Uh, let me, uh, first briefly introduce the uh, background of the debate. Uh, I actually, uh, I would like to, this, uh, debate, uh, uh including, in, uh, included in this, uh, uh value. It's kind of the internal controversy between those scholars who agree. There is a series the of semantic truth concern in the Chinese philosophy in view of the nature of the current value. But actually, when I say there's the internal and the external controversy, by external uh, controversy, I mean, some people just uh, deny there is a semantic truth. or uh, well, there is a significant semantic truth in the Chinese philosophy, such as uh, Chad Hansen. People already know this color. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, 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 there is a, a substantial and a significant debate, this kind of debate, whether or not there is a semantic truth, truth uh, or just a pragmatic truth. That's a big debate. I have uh, actually, uh, last year, I, uh, probably later on, I will say some. I uh, have the uh, monograph book just published last year give the systematically explanation of the whole debate, not just the internal debate. Yeah, uh, I will say um, something more about that. Okay, this debate uh, it doesn't, does not include those, uh, we all know scholars, uh, uh ACES, as uh, Ted Hansen and uh, Roger Amos, uh, it's, uh, but just including these our, uh, people uh, who think uh race, Semantic truth concern and the significant semantic truth concern within the Chinese philosophy. So now, uh, what is uh, as, uh, as issue among uh, these two uh, scholars Actually, three scholars, which see, is, uh, uh, is a two chapter and my uh, extensive uh, editor's remarks. We have different uh, different view, right? So, what is the uh, controversy is is uh, here? Uh, giving the semantic truth concern, uh, as uh, presented in the uh Wang Chung, I uh, we mentioned that. Uh, yeah, I, actually, this debate is uh, starting from uh uh, uh article uh, published in the Comparative Philosophy. He gives a kind of the, uh, is a uh, is a pluralist uh, account of the Wang Chong's uh, concern. But basically, he thinks there is a there's a semantic concern. But there's the other concern. He thinks the Wang Chung come up with a polaris uh count, uh, which can render philosophical interesting, uh which uh, combines semantic tru- uh, truth concern but other uh, concern. The semantic truth concern is not rooted, is not most fundamental. And and then the other uh is a uh, uh, scholar is uh let me see, uh, yeah, bronze. Yeah, uh, bronze uh, degree. Yeah, he gives different interpretation. I also give the uh, different uh, interpretation, uh, different forms. Form but basically, uh, in the simple words, uh, this kind of internal con- controversy between those scholars who agree, there is a series the of semantic truth concern in the Chinese philosophy. But how to understand the status and the function of this semantic truth concern? uh whether or not this semantic truth concern is uh, located as uh base level and uh what just uh, kind of the parallel with uh, other things and then make a contribution this this is what is what is as the issue my own view is uh is something like this uh people's theoretical understanding of the truth as the way of the things are capturing. Is uh, located uh, at a base level. It's a constitutive norm, uh, norm, normative basis, uh, and the philosophical concern with the truth uh, should be considered to be carried on uh, uh, on this basis. But there's uh, another big story. I explain the uh, my approach in a separate monograph book. Uh, but anyway, yeah, this is uh, 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 this is a uh, uh, controversy regarding the semantic truth, the stator and the function, and the semantic truth concerning Chinese philosophy. The question is uh, why I do not include, for example, Ted Hansen and Roger Amos, uh, there is an external uh, uh, controversy, uh, because here's Go with the uh, uh, presupposition. This is the value of the uh, philosophy language. We talk about the truth, we talk about the semantic truth. This semantic truth is, Truth and the reference are two basic, uh, no, uh, basic uh, semantic notion in the philosophy language. Uh, so I think, yeah, that that's that basically uh, there. Uh, there's another uh, 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 scenario context we carried on a uh, uh, debate on uh, on a uh, uh, truth semantic truth or pragmatic uh, truth. Uh, by the way, they, they are using the pragmatic truth, not. The, in the sense, that people use uh, talking about the pragmatic, uh, uh, in the philosophy language,
1: yeah. right? So so, uh, so, so they don't mean pragmatics in the sense of, for example, the study of how we do things with words, um,
2: uh, metaphors,
1: figurative speech, or things like that. They mean
2: uh, I, I would like say, uh, is related, but is not motivated by the philosophy Uh, is a uh, uh, uh. Let me put it this way. Uh, when when we uh talk about the uh, philosophical concern with the truth, uh, we have a different project depending on uh, which aspect, which dimension of the philosophical concern with the truth are talking about. Yeah, we have a kind of the metaphysical project concerning the nature of the truth. We have a epistemological uh project concerning the probable truth. Concerning the criterion and the mean by which uh, how to uh, how to achieve the probable truth, and we have a linguistic project in uh, concerning the how to use the truth predicate. So uh, in in this project, we also talk about uh, how people use the truth predicate. Um, But but however, in the uh, in the debate on the truth in the uh, study of the Chinese philosophy uh people are it's a, from a some more substantial point of view to talk about the pragmatical approach to the truth. uh it's a related but primarily not from a, the pragmatic uh it, uh from a philosophy languages point of view yeah that that that's uh, uh i have one chapter in the uh I mentioned the monograph book to analyze the debate of this uh
1: uh
2: approach, e morris approach, Chad Hansen approach uh, where their point of view are located yeah.
1: gotcha so so in this section of the the volume we're looking at the question of truth and in um uh the chinese context here that uh alexis mcleod and um, and, and you and the others are, are looking at, um, we're looking at she right? Xi, Xi? Uh, uh, as, as,
2: which part? So,
1: um, so the term for truth is she Xi? Oh. Xi? <laughs> uh, so...
2: Uh, oh, you S-H- mean you, Chapter 9, Chapter 10?
1: Yeah, Chapter 9 and Chapter 10.
2: Chapter
1: oh, 10, okay. Yeah, so Xi and Fei. Uh, right. You
2: mentioned some Chinese term Chinese yes. original character.
1: Those those are the terms correct. Oh, shi. Right.
2: Right. oh sure. okay. Shi, yeah. Uh, literal translation of the Shi just uh, is a fact reality. Yeah. So it's a uh, uh, uh when uh Wang Chong uh as uh, a Chinese uh, Han uh, classical Chinese philosopher in the Confucian tradition, talked about the Shi Shi uh appear to to be the is a kind of the uh is a correspondent. Uh, approach. Oh by the way, um, uh, in this value, uh, and uh, in my uh, introduction, I distinguish the people's pre-theoretical, the way of things are capturing, understanding the truth, uh, distinguish this from a correspondence approach. I take the correspondence uh, approach as a theoretical elaboration. Of the people's understanding of the truth, but not exactly the same. So, when I talk about the semantic truth approach, uh, generally speaking, I avoid uh, characterizing these uh, semantic truths in terms of the correspondence, uh, because there is uh, some other way than correspondence to capture which things are. Uh, I uh in some section I explain uh this point in that monograph book about the semantic truth in the Chinese philosophy. For example, we talk about the uh, uh, for example, uh easy example. Uh, in that monograph book I use a uh, Chinese landscape picture on the cover of that book. So it, it's obvious it's not a kind of the corresponding uh uh way to capture which things Mm -hmm. are. Yeah, uh, especially in the Chinese uh, landscaping uh, picture, they often use uh, some uh, very brief uh, stroke and uh, highlight something. So you can find it's a kind of release the one-to-one correspondence. But it's uh, still one way to capture which things are. Yeah, so that's, uh, yeah, I use this example to illustrate what I think is uh, I avoid uh using the correspondent uh theory or correspondent approach uh, to highlight truth concern uh, yeah is semantic truth concern.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, so in so in this section then we part four was thinking about semantic truth and one of the things that was at, at issue was the it was sure and Fei and how we understand these concepts in the Chinese language and Chinese philosophy in relationship to things like semantic truth, correspondence theory, and so on. In part five, there are some other uh, key concepts expressed in the Chinese language like Xing in Confucius um, and Heideggerian nothingness or openness, as well as a lot of the, um, the sort of linguistic plays in uh, the Zhuangzi. So, um, In chapter, excuse me, in part five, the speakable and unspeakable in Chinese texts, engaging exploration, this is, this is part three. We have again three sections. One is your editorial response. Uh, chapter 11 and 12 precede that, and we have Shanglong Zheng, From the Ineffable to the Poetic, which is looking at Heidegger and Confucius on poetry expression of language. And then Jiao Hua Chu, how non-speech becomes a form of speech, a reinterpretation of the debate of the dam over the Hao River, which is, of course, from the Zhuangzi. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's oh. talk about these briefly. So, of course, one is Heidegger and Confucius. The other one is looking at Zhuangzi. Um, how do each of these papers make connections between these different traditions? Um and what are they trying to um what do they think these thinkers are saying about the expressive capacities and limitations of language
2: mm-hmm. uh okay that's a good question <clears throat> uh actually uh in this part uh yeah, generally speaking the whole value appear to be the analytic uh uh oriented and because we only focus on Davidson, John Searle, and, uh, and uh, you see those uh, philosophers, like uh, Martinique and uh, Li-Pong, all those philosophers. So in this part, actually, we uh, we resort to the continental resources in two senses, uh, both in the narrow sense, as uh, uh, some uh, approach reaching the Western tradition, We talk about uh, uh, Heidegger, right? Uh, as I mentioned, earlier uh, uh by the different uh, philosophical relation we understood it in a broadly way also it covers uh, by different uh, style and orientation. in that sense uh, to that extent uh, a continental approach is also manifested uh in the classical chinese philosophy uh, chinese philosophy so here uh, actually we are, uh, in this part we address the three uh major figures in the <clears throat> classical chinese philosophy in the philosophy, the first the Confucius, uh, in the Professor Zhang Xianglong's article, and then in the, in the Chu Huaz, Professor Chu Zhao's article uh, addressing the Zhuangzi, and then in my uh, uh, edi- editor's re- uh, remarks, I try uh, addri- addressing the Laozi, I focus on the open statement of the Dao De Jing, so that a uh, well-known is uh, the Dao that can be talk it's not genuine Dao, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh so in this in 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 uh in that sense we uh in this part especially, uh, especially we address the uh, resources of the community approaches, uh both in his analysis and uh cross-production engagement. So uh yeah, in, in uh in this part, I think there is a kind of the intrinsic connection between this part and the previous part on the on the truth. Actually, uh I as End of my uh, uh, remarks on the part four. Uh, when I clarify the distinction between the uh, uh, correspondent and the semantic and the people's uh uh weakness are, to understand tools, I already <laughs> in the in the address one point. Uh but capital weasing are is not limited to the traditionally understood correspondent is a one-to-one. It's also it's, uh, including the other way, uh, either in the holistic way, or in the Heidegger's way, or in the Confucian's way, in the drones, because, uh, uh, as, um, uh, uh, Professor Zhang and the Professor, uh, uh, uh article show, both Confucius and the drones actually, in their way, to talk about this world. Yeah, this, uh, uh, they present their way to capture what things are. So, uh, so in so in this way it's uh it's uh it's uh when we are addressing the relationship between the speakable and the unspeakable and uh uh and uh we need to at first uh, clarify what we mean by the speakable and unspeakable uh yeah probably we uh uh we still have some way to talk about and uh it's uh called unspeakable for example the ultimate reality the dawn as a whole what's all is what we specifically t- talk about cannot exhaust the thought uh, as a whole uh that's, that's the point of this part basically this this actually is uh, uh is uh we can still somehow talk about the world uh using the resources in the uh, These uh, continental philosophers, like uh, Heidegger, Confucius, Zhuangzi, and and and
1: Great. So, so that brings us then to to the last section of the the book. Uh, so, in, in some sense, we're kind of coming full circle here because this is coming back to the Chinese language, which we touched on in part one. Uh, along with Chinese philosophy and philosophy of language. Because in this section, the book is taking up how Chinese language use in some early classical texts helps us approach important philosophical problems in philosophy of language. So in chapter 13, we have Yang Xiao's Reading the Analects with Davidson, Mood, Force, and Communicative Practice in Early China. And then we have Metaphor and Comparative Focus by Kyle Takaki, uh, and so let's touch on these two chapters. What lessons can philosophers thinking about language use learn from these these classical Chinese texts, in particular the Analects and the dao Zhe, Dao dajing
2: mm-hmm. yeah uh, <clears throat> Let me first uh introduce some uh, background or well, something shared by the this chapter in the previous chapter. Uh, early on, I, hi- I highlight three fronts uh, of these uh, value to take care of the things. Uh, one front is uh, is a uh, focus on some uh, characteristic feature of the Chinese uh, language. Second front is uh, some uh, relevant resources uh, about the language in the Chinese philosophy. The third one is uh, how is uh, contemporary resources in the contemporary Chinese philosophy can help uh, interpret uh, 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 some relevant resources in the Chinese philosophy. So, uh, the chapter uh, five and this chapter uh, focus on um, later two friends. I just mentioned the three friends. First friend is about the Chinese language per se. S- a second one about some resources in the Chinese philosophy. And the third one is how the contemporary resources can help our understanding the uh relevant view in the Chinese philosophy. So previous chapter in this chapter uh focused on uh, you see this uh focus on uh, uh relevant uh resources in uh, Confucius and uh laws and the trunks of the text. So it's you know, basically on the second front how is uh, relevant resources in the Chinese philosophy concerning language can contribute to our understanding and treatment of the issue of the philosophy language. So this chapter is also share this uh, feature they work on this front it's uh it's a figure out how the relevant resources in the in the Confucius analyze and lost the thought uh, can contribute to our understanding uh, some issue in the philosophy uh, language um, and also on the other hand similar to the previous chapter this chapter they also want to use uh, some uh, uh resources in the contemporary philosophy language to interpret uh important point in the ancient thinkers' uh text Confucian and the laws the for example in the xiao Yang's chapter he uh um uh, uh he used uh uh he was involved in the debate between the dumit and the davidson right and then uh he eventually uh started with the Davidson point try to uh uh, uh use the uh, Davison resources to interpret some uh, relevant point uh in the confusion analyze. Um and uh and uh uh in the last chapter they try to use some uh the uh also talk about the uh, davidson uh John Theroux and uh another uh philosopher's uh theory of the metaphor and then use these uh, res- uh resources to help understand the relevant point in the Tao de jing regarding the uh, metaphors. Um, <clears throat> and then I would like to emphasize one uh, uh, background thing. Uh, the question is, uh, you see, uh, in contrast to the previous chapter, you can see the previous chapter largely is a semantic oriented, right? Uh, it's a reference, a truth, and a, a cross-contactual understanding and the uh, and meaning uh and uh also is uh continental speakable and, and speakable. this this one is uh is uh uh, is, uh basically a pragmatic uh oriented yeah so i use the title is a language in the action uh but i try to avoid using the pragmatic because uh, the very terms the pragmatic is uh, is uh tend to be misleading but that, so that's why i use the language in action through the Chinese uh, Text. Um, I would like to that actually here uh, probably reader would raise a question because there is a uh, one basic debate about the relationship between the semantics and the pragmatics. Um, and uh, when uh, the question related to this value is uh, uh, when these two chapter um, on uh, pragmatic orientation in the Chinese text, uh, there's any late. Li- any moral any lesson we can draw regarding the relationship between the pragmatic and uh, and the semantics uh, I think it's uh, uh, uh was all, because this part i don 't have my uh, editor's remarks uh, but anyway i can uh, I can express uh, my uh, one of my general comments on uh, these two chapters. Uh, I think there uh, eventually was they focus on the uh, pragmatic uh, uh, dimension of the language. But eventually, that uh, conclusion is uh, uh, <clears throat> compatible and uh, uh, complementary uh, uh, to the semantic um, uh, focus on, uh, on the language. Uh, here is an example. <clears throat> when the, uh, for example, when the story is uh, addressing the debate between the summit and the, and the Davidson, eventually is, uh, uh, the meaning is not exclusive, exclusively determined by the intersubjective convention, right? And the, uh, and the Davidson's talk about the, uh, yeah, there is a, a strong pragmatic uh, uh, orientation, I mean, in one connection. So these the people, some people, uh, uh, thing is, uh, it's probably is a uh, mysterious. Uh, what's the relationship between the semantic and the pragmatic Davison philosophy? So, I think it's uh, at that point uh, to understand the Davison, we always need to, uh, based on uh, his talk on a pra- uh, pragmatic, on pragmatic, on his uh, basic uh, semantic foundation, because he's a, a semantic uh, uh, truth condition, semantic, it constitutes the most fundamental uh, basis. Uh, let me, uh, put the point in the plain word, okay. Uh, given the, uh, <clears throat> it's a debate between the Dammit and Davison. Uh, Davison still think we can, people from a different tradition uh, is, uh, from a different community, they share the fundamental underlying agreement. Uh, these, are uh, fundamental un- underlying agreement, uh, for example, simply speaking, we are facing the same world. Yeah, We can talk about the same object differently. Uh, it's, uh, when you talk about the same object differently, the differently is uh, a lot of the pragmatic thing, right? But let's go with the preservation. We talk about the same object. Uh, the, one of the major primary same object is the underlying agreement. is the same environment, same world, natural world. Yeah, Davidson is a, yeah, it's a, there, even given the debate between the dominant and this they still uh, both sides agree we can talk about the same world. Yeah. The, the their debate is uh, uh, on the on the use level based on the what we can reach that uh, certain meaning. But as far as a fundamental underlying agreement in the, this this kind of the semantic foundation. So in this way, uh, to that extent, so I think it's uh, there is the, the the semantic, uh, this uh, discussion of the semantic dimension of the Chinese context and, uh, and modern speaking to, uh, and the language, uh, they can be, uh, uh, it's fundamentally compatible and complementary to the semantic
1: form. Right. Well, so, so this is a, a nice uh, point to wrap up. We've gone through quite a lot of material in this edited volume, Um, A lot of careful attention to the grammar of Chinese in the modern context, as well as the evolution of languages, attention to the language of Chinese in classical Chinese texts, the implications of that for philosophy of language, a lot of constructive engagement from a lot of different uh, directions. Uh, Davidson, Searle, Heidegger, um, Confucius, Zhuangzi, quite a rich volume. So uh, listeners will need to Pick this up themselves so they can can dig into some of these essays and your your editorial interventions. Let, let's conclude and just come back to you. Briefly mentioned at the beginning that you have a new project occupying you, which is a focus on the etc like the methodology of constructive engagement. Can you just tell us a little bit about that?
2: <clears throat> uh, yeah, it's uh, uh, so after the publication of this value is uh, in nineteen eighteen. Uh, if only considering their completion and the publication timeline, there are three relevant monograph books whose final stages of the work have been occupied me. I I actually uh, after this book, uh, uh, two two of them uh, have been already completed at this moment. Uh, one was uh, completed and published in nineteen uh, nineteen. Is uh, I just mentioned is. Uh, uh, it's uh, it's entitled "The Semantic Truth Approaches in the Chinese Philosophy." So, uh, <clears throat> uh, in that book is uh, I not just to take care of the some debate uh concerning the Wang Chung. Wang Chung is one of the Confucian, and not limited to the uh, uh, uh Confucian, Confucianism. You see, is I also write the Confucian himself and the, and Xunzi, but also cover the yijing philosophy. Uh, philosophy, uh, and the philosophical Taoism. So basically, it cover all the uh, in my opinion, representative approaches. It also, partially including the Buddhism. When I when I uh talking about this uh, relationship between the Zhuangzi's approach and uh, and the the double truth account, uh, account in the Buddhism. So basically, it cover all these uh, semantic truth approaches in the Chinese philosophy, and then I. Suggest and uh, argue for a general account of the truth. It's a uh, uh, labeled It's a uh, pur- uh, unifying pluralist approach. Uh, just as I mentioned in this book, there is a debate uh, among the three scholars: uh, <clears throat> Professor Magleon, Professor Brown, and, and me. <clears throat> uh, w- all our three think there is uh, uh, we can, uh, There is some kind of the uh, pluralist approaches. Uh, in the Chinese philosophy, one of them is the semantic truth. The question is uh, whether or not this. Uh, uh, when you talk about the plural pluralist, there's uh, different approaches. The qu- what is the issue is that whether or not these uh, different approaches could be unified by a uh, systematic consistent account. Uh, actually, uh, at this point is uh, I just mentioned, Mike Leon uh, have uh, uh, their view is uh, quite similar to. I think he's uh, when he pursued PhD in the kinetic, his uh, teacher is uh, uh, Lynch, right? And David uh, Lynch was. Yeah, uh, he's uh, uh, put forward a kind of the uh, function is the kind, kind of poor is the kind, but it's not nothing. There is a unifying basis. My view is uh, there is a unifying basis. So that's why uh, I use uh, when I uh, in my. Editorial remarks. I, uh, I present my my own paper as the first part, right? It's a rooted and a, and a rootless. So I think it's uh, it's Macleod's approach is rootless because there's a different theories, but there's a in my in my view is kind of rooted. Uh, so that's why I use the term unifying. So question is, uh, what's a unifying foundation? In my view, is uh, people's prescriptive, uh, ways uh, things are capturing understanding of the truth so this I take as a unifying normative basis i take the all these semantic approaches the Chinese philosophies as a different perspective elaboration of these basic people's prescriptive understanding of truth uh so that's a yeah that this one I already published last year so that's uh a, a, it's a, it's a more comprehensive and also it uh provide my own account of truth i but actually. Uh, this book is a sister value to my 2009 uh, Monograph book, is a substantive perspective. Uh, in that book, I uh, put forward an earlier line of this account of the truth, but in a different uh, context. That's it's, uh, in view of the debate between the def- deflationism and the substantive. Now, but these uh, two books, right? Actually, uh, uh, is assist, a assistant, a sister's monograph. That one in the debate of the deflationism, contemporary uh, substantivism, but this one in view of the semantic approaches of the Chinese philosophy. So in this way, uh, in my opinion, I suggest a unifying pluralist account to cover uh, different uh, uh, semantic tools approaches in different philosophical relations.
1: Uh and and then wow. uh, the one that we have to look forward to coming out in twenty twenty is the one that we already talked about, which is the um cross-tradition engagement and philosophy, the uh, constructive engagement account with Rutledge. That that's the and so that's the last one that you've been, been working on.
2: Uh yeah, right. There is a, uh, I uh I just mentioned the three. Yeah, yeah. The second one is uh is a further uh more systematic uh, explanation of the uh, range of the fundamental theoretical methodological issue in the constructive engagement, so such as the uh, issue of the normative basis, the issue of the incommensurability, the issue of the philosophical interpretation. So in in this second book monograph, uh, actually, just uh, I think it's uh, forthcoming this month or next month. Yeah, you, you can see. Uh, yeah, I give, uh, there's uh, two major parts. The first part is the theoretical foundation part. I give a uh, kind of the systematic explanation of this uh, range of the theoretical issue. You see, this issue is uh, more or less in the, uh, for example, in this value, is uh, on a philosophy language. I, uh, somehow it's uh, either just the presuppose, or just the gives a brief, uh, just very uh, brief explanation of what presuppose. But so in this sense, this book is a further uh elaboration of the fundamental methodological strategy uh in this 2018 book. Uh, uh the third one actually I start from next month. It's a it's a, a monograph on uh reference and uh application. The subtitle is a double reference account. You see, in this book, uh in my chapter two, I just give the basic line, but in, in that one, I will give um. Systematic account, uh, engaging fragrant uh, quick approach. So these are pretty much a three project after this value. It's a yeah, each of them is a further elaboration of some point.
1: Yeah, well, that's great. We'll have we'll have to look forward to to seeing more of your your work on the double reference, which we've mentioned throughout the interview, and then the forthcoming on the constructive engagement account. Thank you very much for all of your time today, Doctor Doctor Mo, and um. Uh, all, all our best to you. All the best to you.
2: Uh, it's, uh, my time. I, my, it's my pleasure. I appreciate you this opportunity to talk with you, and uh, thank you for your time.